Zen Parenting Radio. Sweetie, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding, sweetie? It's good sweetie? for you. It is good for you. Uh, it's food for the soul. Yes, it is. I think that's been taken, my love. I just took it. Um, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. That's our motto. Yes. We stole that from Dr. Dan Siegel, who we're going to try to get on this show. We're going to get him on We're the show. We're going to get him on the show. At some point. We have to because we stole his motto. I know. We have to tell him, hey, dude, we stole. We steal from you. Hey, bud, what's your problem? You ready for my new my new drop, sweetie? Uh-huh. Let's hear yeah, it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> I think I might use that a lot. Um, you that's, can use it on today's show because at some point we're going to talk about fact and opinion. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, so we're going to talk about fact and opinion, uh, a little bit of a follow-up on a show that we did about Upspeak. Yep. But first and foremost, I want to um, get on a soapbox and share some ideas and thoughts I have had with our listeners um, regarding my own spiritual journey All right. and my own teachers and how I've kind of had... Um, a coming of self, a coming of... You've had a new awareness? A revelation. A new awareness, thank you. So um, for those of you who've listened to this from the get-go, you know that one of the books that changed my world is a book called A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Uh, but since then, I've had two really... And, and I've listened to that book over and over. I actually fall asleep to it quite often. And I would not be... I, pro- I don't think I'd be on this podcast if it wasn't for that book. Among many other books, but that's the one that kind of shifted me. And then just in the last two weeks, I've had two more wonderful teachers show up in my life. And one is a guy uh, by the name of Jeff Foster, and he wrote a book called The Deepest Acceptance, Radical Awakening in Ordinary Life. You've talked about him on the show already. I did. Um, and then we went to this Tony Robbins thing, and Correct. I've kind of had this man crush on Tony Robbins for a few weeks, and I can't, I cannot stop listening to him on uh, YouTube, and I'm re-listening to The Money Book because I have some ideas about me doing a money class, Zen Money. I haven't told you about that. Zen Money, really? sweetie. Class for whom? It's going to be a class for anybody who wants to integrate some of the ideas in his amazing book and kind of like be workout partners of how to get your financial house in order. Ooh, so it's really not me teaching as much as it is me facilitating and setting really short-term goals of, okay, because the thing that drove me nuts about the book is there's a million good ideas in it, and I've only put into action about 1% of those good ideas. Do I have to go to this class? No, no. But there will be more information about that, and I don't even have it all figured out. And You know, Zen Money sounds really good. Did the guy in Spirituality and Health Yeah, I think he that? calls it Zen Money. So you need to call it like Zen Cash or Zen Finances. I'll so, do, how I'll, about Zen Finance? That's not bad. Zen finance, because it is personal finance. Yeah, instead of Zen money. So, um, and the thing is, I almost suffered paralysis from analysis as far as what's it going to look like? How am I going to do it? How am I going to market it? What's the first four sessions going to be like? And I'm just going to kind of do it. And I'm going to, so there'll be more, there'll be more information about that next week. So, um, so just to kind of, it's going to be hard for me to um, say, what I want to say without taking 45 minutes up. So I'm going to try to do it in little bite-sized portions. Why don't you consolidate it? I'll do my best. So Eckhart Tolle wrote a book called The New Earth. And in that book, 
he had a quantum shift in his life. He remembers the exact moment that it happened. He was on a park bench, I think in England or Canada. And he said a phrase to himself, I, he was suffering from deep depression. And he said to himself, I cannot live with myself. And then he thought about that phrase and he realized that there were two of him in that sentence. There is the I. And myself. And myself. And I forget which one represented who, but the I was his essence. I, that's the essence, cannot live with myself, myself. which was what he called ego. Thinking. Thinking mind. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have used that phrase over and over again whenever I think of my ego creeping in, whether it's through jealousy or anger or hatred or whatever, be like, oh, that's my ego. Okay. So then I listened to this book by Jeff Foster and he, uh, and it's called The Deepest Acceptance and I cannot recommend it highly enough. And the metaphor he uses, uh, because the other thing that I learned, I don't know if it was from Eckhart or somebody else, but the metaphor of the ocean Mm -hmm. And how when all these things are going crazy in your life, think of a hurricane and the ocean is yourself and these waves come crashing up and down and it's anger and it's emotions, but below the surface is your essence. That's an old metaphor. Okay. That's from way back when. Whoever came Mm -hmm. up with it. And that's another one. But even then I'm like... Well, all these waves that come crashing are really not who I am. The essence is the calmness. It's the stillness below the surface. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because Jeff Foster uses a similar metaphor, but in a completely different way. And what he says is these waves that come up of these emotions, these these quote unquote negative emotions are um, of jealousy or anger or whatever, that is... That is your essence too. And that is encapsulate the difference. So what he teaches is that this, uh, these, this, this ego-driven, this self-perceived ego-driven behavior or emotions actually is okay. And I'm not saying that all these other teachers said it wasn't okay, but they were separating the, cr- the waves coming crashing and the essence below the surface. And what he, what this guy has taught me and through this one book is that the waves that come crashing are as part of you as the essence below the surface. And that has helped me make a shift in my life. Mm-hmm. Now it's a brand new book and I might forget about it tomorrow, but, um, and then I'm. Then I ask myself, well, "What is the?" You won't forget about it tomorrow. What is the difference um, between um, this one teaching from Eckhart that I believe in, or I believed in, that feels right, that felt right, and this new teaching of Jeff Foster saying, "When when I get frustrated or angry, that that is completely who you are." In that moment, you are frustrated and anger, just like when you're joyful and happy. Mm-hmm. That is who you are also. And I'm trying to enmesh or get these two ideas. You're trying to integrate them. Trying both. to integrate them both. And in my mind, they seem almost not contradictory, but they're not in alignment. Paradoxical? They're paradoxical. And it, to be honest with you, I think that this new um, teaching is much more serving of me than the
the old teaching. Well, let me frame it this way. Okay. The first teaching was essential to get you to the next teaching. Was it? And what I, if I would have started with this book? Well, may, and I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't say this is what would happen. Yeah. I really don't know. But I think there's certain things that we have to understand on a really ground level before we can reach the next level of awareness. And when I say that, I don't mean that there's a competition or a hierarchy because some people, you know, you're just telling Eckhart's story. There's so many teachers who have those wake-up moments. Mm-hmm. Um, Byron Katie's wake-up moment is she was in a deep state of depression for many, many years, and she fell asleep on the floor, and a cockroach crawled across her, Mm -hmm. and she opened her eyes and looked at the cockroach, and everything changed. Mm -hmm. Now, there's no rhyme or reason to that, but she woke up. Mm -hmm. Some people have those quantum shifts, those moments, those satori, is that what it's called? Isn't that what Wayne Dyer calls it? And some people have, and this is, I think, where Jeff Foster is, is his way of looking at it is quit seeking and start living. That and is this is that's a new way to think. When that's exactly right. That's exactly what he yeah. says. He's like, there's a lot of gurus out there who tell you that you're working towards this quantum shift, right. that you're waiting for the shift to happen. And honestly, and until you're there, you're, you're not you're there. Not you haven't arrived. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I have learned just in that one example that you just provided, it was so relieving. Because the last, I don't know, when I started listening to Wayne Dyer tapes with you 15 years ago or whenever it was, I've always been like, I can't wait because Wayne's happened in a hotel room, I think. And Mm -hmm. he heard the voice of God in Mm -hmm. a hotel room. Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly what it was, but these teachers have all described this quantum shift that Mm -hmm. happened in a moment in their life. Mm -hmm. And I keep waiting for mine to happen. Mm -hmm. So when I heard Jeff say, it's not going to happen. It's going to be accepting that it's not going to happen. And the fact that I'm seeking it prevents me from living my best self. And I fully agree. And there's nothing you've said that I disagree with, but I'm going to push back a little bit on the fact that you are having quantum shifts all the time. See, this is a reframing. I'm waiting for the one right. big aha. And I beat myself up for not having for not like having that. that. Well, and that in itself is an old pattern of what success means. Mm-hmm. You think there is a level to success. Mm. You think that there's a ladder you have to climb where then you're here and I'm happy. And that is an old brain training Mm -hmm. that is given to us through education and through our career that there's something we're reaching. And that's the, that's the model Mm -hmm. that people use when they're learning about themselves. Mm. They take that model and they put it into that that spiritual realm, well, well, this is how I did it here, so this is how I'm going to do it here. I'm going to read books, I'm going to go to conferences, and I'm going to reach that level. It's a totally different world. And let me give you an analogy since this is a uh, – or a, uh, something that's very similar because this is a parenting podcast. People take that career model and use it with parenting. Mm-hmm. They say, okay, the way I'm successful at work is I do this, I put this on my list, I do this, I do this, and then I'm successful. And they take that model and they import it into parenting and it doesn't work. Well, not only that, with career, you get a bonus or you get a promotion. Yes. In parenting, that never happens. You never get that You don't get that bonus. No. What you get is maybe um, a, a kid, a, a son or a daughter who says, Oh, I love you, mom. Like right. that's our bonus or whatever. Which can be amazing in itself right. and in through many But if you're doing it 
just to hear somebody say, I love you, it's not going to work out real well. Or if you're doing it and you, you're you using the success model to make your child a success, mm-hmm. which then in turn makes you feel like a success, right. then you see how that becomes this really negative path. Now, backing up, because I got away from the point that you were talking about, is why I say you have to acknowledge that you're having quantum shifts all the time. <laughs> I got to find out exactly where that is. Go ahead. Um, Is that is that I can look back because I journal so much and write so much and have pictures and stuff, and I've had many, many, many quantum shifts Mm -hmm. where I've had an awareness that caused me to turn a different corner, Mm -hmm. but never have I had a quantum shift that has caused me to be anything but human. Right. I have never lost my ego. I have never become this like ultra better than everyone else person. I've never been able to say, oh, yes, these things don't bother me anymore. I have remained completely human. But there's been parts in my my life where I'd be like, I want to stop judging other people. Well, good luck. I know. But I've said that to myself. Like, why am I so judgmental? And And as I integrate the teachings of this guy, Jeff Foster, I'm realizing that not that I want to judge other people, but not to beat myself up when I do that. And let me give you a a framework for that. The brain has to judge. That is like a every animal, every, you know, everything that has a brain, an ant has to judge, do I go this way, do I go that way? Do I feel the wind? Do I you have to make judgments. Mm-hmm. So we can't take away our ability to judge because that would leave us very helpless. Right. The shift is Right now I'm judging, and just because I'm thinking this, A, doesn't make me a bad person, and B, doesn't mean that what I'm thinking is necessarily true. The self-awareness piece is this person walks in the room, I'm making assumptions, but I'm self-aware enough to know that these assumptions may not be right. But to deny the fact that when a person walks in the room and they're wearing glasses and a suit and they're, you know standing straight straight up and look really confident that we would assume they're a business person right. versus the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world that walk in with a hoodie and you know jeans and kind of we may not initially think of that person as a right. business person right. but that doesn't mean we're right right so judgments can give us a a, a sense of having some some feedback about the world like right. but it doesn't mean it's always true the time that judgments become a problem is when we think all of our thoughts are true. Yeah. Therefore, we judge populations mm-hmm. by what our brain is filtering. Yeah. And the big part of self-awareness is, yes, this judgment is coming. I'm human. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to question that. Yeah. And that is, I think, our work all the time. Well, and I've been described as through some other teachers of mine as seeker, as a seeker. Like I'm always trying to learn that next book or learn from this teacher so that I can get to this this shift where I no longer get angry at my kids, which is unrealistic and irrational and stupid. Of course, everybody's always going to get there's going to be moments of anger. You can't shut that mm-hmm. out part of you. So when I um, when I realized that the seeking was actually taking away from my appreciation of the present moment and my, um, like it it removes goal setting, which has always been a big important part of my life is 
I got to set a goal. And, and one of the things that he says in the book is that a lot of people say about my teachings, I'm being Jeff Foster, that you just become complacent and lazy and you don't set goals and all that. And he says, actually, it's the opposite. When you let go of all those, um, you know, you do something striving, striving mm-hmm. that's when you actually propel yourself of in a course. certain direction. And I know these are ideas that we've talked about on the show. But you had a quantum shift and now you understand. Right. And I'm not saying you didn't understand before. Mm-hmm. Um, to use Tony Robbins' words, you had the knowledge, mm-hmm. you had the cognitive knowledge, and you understood it on this level of, I know this is right. Now you understand it on an emotional level, right. which is you can integrate it into your daily experience. And when the, when the feeling of jealousy comes up, instead of the cognitive knowledge of I shouldn't feel this way right. or my ego's stronger than me, you then say, yeah, I'm feeling this way, but A, I understand why because mm-hmm. I understand myself. B, what can I learn from this because it's giving me a message? And C, it doesn't mean I need to behave right. in this way. Well, and one, I remember I was actually working out last week and I was in the weight room and I was listening to this guy on his audio book. And I paused it and I had this like quote come into my head. And I don't think I heard it from anybody. I think it's something that just popped into my head because in Buddhism, you always hear about accept what is and all mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And then even that, like just the energy of that, accept what is. And then all of a sudden, if I can't accept what is, then I'm not enough. So my new phrase is accept what is. And if you can't accept what is, then accept that. Exactly. And that is another layer that I can remove like when I when I'm like I know I should be better it's okay not to be better and I know we're saying the same thing over and over again but I totally get you you have it again it's it's deeper than integration it's like pieces are coming together it's like a puzzle mm. and the puzzle's never done it's a lifelong puzzle but it starts to become grander and richer yeah. where you start to see the picture a little more clearly right. where like instead of just having these these side pieces that you're focusing on you're starting to see the big picture and that's really beautiful and you know that is the reason that you feel so connected to what reverend ed bacon says about if you cannot forgive pray for the desire to want to forgive or pray pray for the strength to forgive someday and that was helpful that's enough and that's the same thing it's the exact same those are the exact same and i knew that through ed bacon but the minute i read this guy and he said it in a slightly different way it hit me deeper. Exactly. And that's life. Todd, that is the, that's why seeking a goal or, a, you know, needing to be something or say you're something, it never, it never ends. You know, as our teacher said to us many, many years ago, one of our teachers said, as soon as you're done learning, you're done on this earth. Mm-hmm. You're gone. You might, you know, that that's when you die. Yeah. And as we know from Tony Robbins and everybody else, this is not just Tony, but you either grow Mm -hmm. or you die. Mm -hmm. The Parent Coaching Institute where I went to school, that was one of our main focuses. You grow or die. Mm -hmm. And that sounds really harsh, but that's that's nature. We have to continue to grow and learn. And what happens is when we start to accept every emotional, you know, output we have – we start to recognize ourselves more instead of using it as a tool against ourselves, like, gosh, I'm just not good enough. We start to see it almost from a distance. Right. And then we can be like, where's that coming from? Oh, it's coming from here. How am I going to respond to this? How can I respond different? It's actually, I know you guys are going to laugh at me. It's kind of fun Mm -hmm. and not in the moment. Always. It's not fun to be angry. Grieving is, is so tough. All these feelings we've had, but sometimes when something's going on, and I'm like really overwhelmed. I have that moment, that wave of 
this is interesting. Yeah. And I'm kind of interested in how this is going to play out. Well, the easy metaphor that I use, and we've said this on the show a bunch of times, but Oprah had that little mini aha moment for herself when she had like these big meetings that she had to go to and she was sick in a hotel room. Yes. And she was trying to pretend that she wasn't sick. And then finally she's just like... Surrender. Surrender to your illness in this moment. And it's kind of the same thing. Just accept whatever life is giving you right now because that's your experience is what you should be experiencing right now. Even if it's one of... Pain, you know, this guy works with, you know, people with terminal cancer and he helps them make shifts. I mean, it, whatever's happening in our lives is part of our experience. And we're always trying to swim against that current unless it's a happy experience. And it's just about you can't enjoy pain, but it's almost like you got to You don't give pain the energy because when you resist that pain, it it grows or it doesn't dissipate as quickly. It persists. And something that you, we also need to embrace because this is where people get into debates and get angry and take sides. Life is a paradox. Mm-hmm. There is no clean cut. You have to have pain to have joy because yeah. you don't know what joy is without pain. Right. You, the, my friend Annie always writes about the and buts. Mm-hmm. This is true and, yeah. but this yeah. is true too. Right. And you can't have it one way. Like we were talking about Todd and I were talking, I think we were talking about when I get headaches and we were talking about how it's so important for me to surrender so I can relax and, and not get all worked up about myself. Simultaneously, physiology, moving my body, mm-hmm. doing something different is important too. Now, surrender and physiology and doing moving your body right. are completely at odds. Yet, instead of saying they're at odds and saying, oh, I got to figure this out, it's a paradox. Mm-hmm. One will be true at some moment, mm-hmm. and one will be true at other moments. Yeah. And the work of our lives is to embrace that rather than look for absolute answers. I'm going to go back to parenting again. There are no absolute answers. Right. When you guys send us questions, which we get all the time, people want a black and white answer. Right. Tell me what to do, Kathy. Tell me what to say. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You want to know why? I'm not there. I'm not in relationship with that person. I don't know what's happened before. I don't know. And I'm saying all this not because I can't offer you an answer to contemplate, but there is no exact answer. Right. And that's the truth about that's the truth about everything. Yeah. And whenever we debate points and we take sides, um gosh, we were just talking about this with um I was just talking about this with my niece. It, this morning or at uh, you know today when we were with my family she was talking about how when she's in a classroom she's talking about her AP English class where a lot of times what ends up happening is kids start debating their points mm-hmm. about literature yeah and she's really quiet and that's affected her grade even though she gets A's on everything in right. there and how she crazy that is she to. doesn't want to get into an argument because she sees that they're both correct because it's their experience and they're sharing their opinion exactly and so she and I were talking about that and that's how I view the world too is when people are like are you this or are you that now there's some things that I adhere to more than others sure. you know but do I think that do I then look at someone else and say you don't believe this you're an idiot right. I don't do that because there's a reason. I mean, I may get into a judgmental tone. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. 
Sweetie, um, I want to talk about one of our partners. Please. And then we can go on to the second part of the show, unless you have some closing thoughts, because we're already 23 minutes in. Go ahead. In. Go ahead. Uh, our first partner is Dr. John Kelly, ChicagoDentistOnline.com. Um, he's on the northwest side of Chicago. He works on all three of our kids. And uh, we had something come up with one of our kids that he's working on, and we just had a uh, really... He's working with us and on many different levels of her experience. Well, our our daughter has another um, – it's not an expander, but it's, it's like, like a, a big retainer that she's wearing. And we called him and said, you know, she's struggling with this and this. And he's like, okay, new plan. We're going to do this, this, yeah. this. My point is, is first of all, Todd calls him yeah. and he helps us. And second of all, he puts the emotional well-being of our children exactly. first. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. That's exactly what he did. Yeah. Because he could have said, no, this, hey, if you want to do this right, this is the way – he's like, no. No, the, let's focus on her so anyways, needs. John Kelly, you hear us talk about him every week but he's awesome chicagodentistonline.com uh did you want to say anything to wrap up our talk on the only thing i want to say is uh, i would love to hear if anybody is looking for a book oh, i'm out of books i don't have any books that inspire me i would love to recommend that book and if you uh, you know look at a summary on amazon.com it's called the deepest acceptance by jeff foster and if you read it let me know what you think i'd love to hear it. while i'm talking i'm going to talk for like about 30 seconds Pull up the Facebook page and pull up Jeff Foster's Facebook page and his post today about the sensitive ones. Okay. Because when I read it, and you already know this, I don't need to hammer this in because Todd hears this every day from me, but this is why I love him because what he writes about is what I feel in my life. And to have someone validate that is really important. So while Todd is looking for that... Okay, go ahead. Do you want me to read the whole thing? Sure. Oh, wow, okay. To the sensitive ones, do not be ashamed of your sensitivity. It has brought you many riches. You see what others cannot see. Feel what others are ashamed to feel. You're more open, less numb. You find it harder to turn a blind eye. You have not closed your heart in spite of everything. You are able to hold the most intense highs and the darkest lows in your loving embrace. You know that neither you know that neither define you. Everything passes through. You are a cosmic vessel. Celebrate your sensitivity. It has kept you flexible and open. You have remained close to wonder, and awareness burns brightly in you. Don't compare yourself with others. Don't expect them to understand. But teach them. It's okay to feel deeply. It's okay to not know. It's okay to play on the raw edge of life. Life may seem harder for you at times, and often you are close to overwhelm. But it's harder still to repress your overwhelming gifts. Sensitive ones, bring some gentleness into this weary world. Shine on with courageous sensitivity. You are the light bearers. Jeff Foster. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, and you probably connect to that more than I do because I you're do. definitely more sensitive than Sweetie, I am. Sweetie, I'm a cosmic vessel. Come you on. are. Well, I, you know. There's a lot of you out there, there are. listening. I know that. And, you know, we all are. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is it's you not You all a, are, but you, yours is more acceptable, not accessible than mine is. Mine, it's, it's the piano playing thing. That's just the, you know, you come in and you're just. Those are the things. There's a. I don't have as many uh, layers on the heart area, but I was going to say that. Um, and and when I say that, I'm I'm saying that that that's been a problem in my life in the past. You've asked what, what's wrong with me. I've said you? what's wrong with me. Other people have said what's wrong with you. Yeah, and it's had negative impact. And over in my 30s, I've learned to embrace that as yeah. what Jeff Foster said. Quit making what you have a problem. And recognize how it helps you. And I'll give you an example that just happened last weekend when Todd and I were at this conference. 
we were in, we were doing a kind of a wide open like open your heart be yourself kind of scream out loud and so i was more open than i was open 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 mm-hmm. which i'm usually pretty open but i was screaming wide open and there was a man in our row who i had noticed before who i kind of had smiled at and kind of already made some kind of emotional connection where I could feel him. And then when my heart was open like that, I felt him so strongly that I started to sob. And because I'm with my husband, he understands that when I said to him, I'm having, you know, because I don't know if you looked at me or if I looked at you first, but I said, I'm having a hard time because I can feel this man over here. And tell what tell me again what you were feeling. Just I, I, it's not a story. I just feel what he's feeling. And I have what no was idea he feeling? why. He was sad. Okay. And I don't know that he was sad about what was happening in the moment. There was some sadness. There was just in him. sadness, and I could feel it so strongly that I was crying. And I said to Todd, "I'm feeling this man, and I'm having a hard time right now." And Todd, being so lovely and not really getting what I'm talking about, but trusting me. In about 10 minutes later, we had to do this thing where we had to go around and like high five people or hug people. Yeah. Tony Robbins, he's like, okay, you know, he'll be, he'll finish talking. And then all of a sudden, okay, go hug 10 strangers. Go hug 10 strangers. And we did that like 15 times throughout the weekend. But this time Todd turned, went directly to this man first, said to him, cause he was in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and said to him, can I hug you? And the man said, yes. And he hugged him and he it's so hard to explain. Todd helped me so much because, see, I couldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. It was too like too intense, too intense, and I feel like he would have known mm-hmm. there was something going on between us. Well, and not only that, I will say this is more access- accessible to you, but I felt similarly before you and I even spoke. Yes. Um, I, because there was another time where you could either high five or hug people, and I'm like, oh, I should have hugged that guy, and I didn't, and I felt. The same pull. Yeah, something, some pull. See, and that's C, it's the same. Mm-hmm. So Todd and I are no different. I'm no, we are no different than any of you guys listening. We all have this. The difference is how we experience it. Yeah. And this sensitive ones thing that I experienced through this, oh, mm-hmm. it like, and where there's beauty in that. Right. And it's hard because then I had to kind of, mold, but what Todd did was he kind of put a, a level, how, what is the word, where you kind of dissipated some of that emotion for mm-hmm. me because you connected with him. Mm-hmm. You made us three yeah, instead of just yeah. me and him. Right. What happens at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, I don't remember. At the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, when that piece, that thing that they're trying to uh, keep from the bad guys, yeah. I can't remember what it's called, but it's if you touch it, you basically not only explode yourself, but you explode pieces of the right. world. They it goes through the air and they have to catch it uh, and Chris Pratt gets it and he has some superpowers he wasn't aware of, but he can't hold it by himself. Mm-hmm. So the other people come in and hold his hand right. and as a group they, they were can able tolerate to do it. it. But just you and him, you could not have tolerated it. Not as well. Maybe I could have, right. but not as well right. is when you join me. Yeah. And that's is that the best metaphor for life? Yeah. Yeah, I can tolerate it. I can cry and get over it and work through it. And But why not accept help? Yeah. You yeah. know? And I just sent the guy some love through a hug. And I loved hugging that guy. Oh, and he's all, such a sweet. All the other strangers. It's, uh, some people who haven't experienced Tony Robbins are like, 
Okay. Hugging strangers. And damn right it was weird the first time, but after that, it <laughs> it's wasn't. Nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. And it felt freaking great. Like, there's a bunch of YouTube clips where somebody will have a billboard on his chest and say free hugs. And yeah. a bunch of people will walk by and then one one person, one stranger will just run right up to the guy. It's just... Yes. I love those those videos. Me too. Because hugs are the best. They're the best. I think they're better than kisses. I do too. I'm a hugger. Yeah. I love hugging people. And it's interesting because I can tell pretty quickly when someone's not a hugger. Mm-hmm. You can kind of feel in their body language. And I would never push myself on someone or at least not intentionally. I yeah. mean, I guess I probably have before. But, you know, if, if – um, but anyway – we don't need to go into that. I just, I agree with you. Hugging's the best. Hugging's the best. And maybe it's because kissing is so intimate or it's, a, but a hug, you can hug with your whole body. Yes. Whereas kissing, it's just your lips. And you also, again, we have to remember that we're energetic beings. Mm-hmm. And so touching somebody in that intimate way, you feel them more. Yeah. You, you, it's more of a connection yeah, and I was going to say, um, I don't know if I just called it more intense kissing, but I think hugging is even more intimate. Do you really? Because See, I think it, kissing is more intimate. Because uh, intimate in a good way. Like it's, I don't know, it means more. I don't know. Well, and you know what? It's about our definition of intimate because yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I think kissing is more intimate because that's safe Kissing is more intense because it's like yeah. focusing on uh, a small- Well, and your spit. There's spit involved. Sweetie, that's love spit. Is it love spit? Yeah. Can we trade love spit? <laughs> we want to swap. What, what's some of the things that we used to say? Swap spit. That's from, what's the one from On Golden Pond? Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking about, that little kid. What's, Suck what face. Suck face. That's what he says. All right. Sweetie, you know what this show is? It's really on fleek. It is on fleek. I'm so glad you mentioned that. It's it's on fleek. This show is on fleek. Now 99.9% of our listeners don't know what you're talking about. So why don't you educate us? I'm going to give you a new word, everybody. Two words. On fleek. And you know what it means? It means you're on point or it's pretty perfect. Yeah. And I learned about this from my nephew who is going to be 16 and my niece who is 19. And I guess it's been around for a while because this girl used to do these Vine clips. For those of you who do you know what Vine is, I hope. <laughs> so we may need to start even before that. But Vine is just this like social networking where they see short video clips. And she talks about her eyebrows being on fleek. Now, where she got that, I have no idea. But it's totally caught on. And um, it's been around a while. We're always slow. But you, you, everybody needs to start using it. So those of you who have teenagers, use it mm-hmm. in front of them yeah. and see what they do. And try to do it with a straight face because I wouldn't be able to. You'll be like, man, this dinner is on fleek. You know what else is on fleek, sweetie? What? Tree what? of Life Chiropractic Care. 6309418733 chirotree.com Dr. Kelly she's awesome she adjusts us she's what i think is the only pediatric chiropractor in the city of Elmhurst so check her out cuz she's awesome she is. she's on fleek she's on fleek so we're 33 minutes in can you can we have this conversation yeah. um about facts and opinions yes. and upspeak we can so i wanted to share that uh, i wrote something on facebook the other day was um, it on fleek it was pretty on fleek. Um, <laughs> everything is, sweetie. Um, so there was a article that was written called, I think it was called, It's Not Your Opinion, You're Just Wrong. <laughs> I think that's so funny. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> so it's called, No, It's Not Your Opinion, You're Just Wrong. And within um, the within the article... They have a picture of Catherine Schultz who did a 
TED Talk about being wrong. She's actually called a wrongologist. Isn't that funny? <laughs> it is funny. She's studied being wrong for the last five years and you know how that impacts us as um, you know as a species. And this article talks about how so many people now take their opinion and assume that because it's their opinion, it's factual for the world and for other people. And what I wrote about was that I it it's just such a huge part of self-awareness to understand that just because you believe something deeply doesn't mean it's true for everybody else. And but yet simultaneously, paradoxically, you know, this is the it doesn't mean it's wrong for you. Mm-hmm. It is where you are right now with the life experience and information you have. This is where you are. But when why it's important to talk about fact opinion and also Catherine's wrongology, you know, points is that sometimes we are so unwilling to be wrong that we put our, you know, dig our heels in the sand or our feet in the sand. What do we dig in? We dig our heels. Is it our heels? Yeah. I don't know what the thing is that people say. <laughs> See, I'm wrong. Um, we dig in, and if someone else disagrees, we first say that, you know, they're wrong mm-hmm. or they don't know what they're talking about, and then we go to that they're an idiot. Yep. And then we we basically just get – we're so unwilling to be open to other people's opinions and why they got to where they are that it causes a lot of havoc. And and I'm pointing to politics first. Mm-hmm. I'm going to point to religion second. Mm-hmm. And I'm not putting those in any kind of order. I'm just saying you understand how we divide ourselves by our unwillingness to be wrong. And when I say that, I don't even mean that you are wrong. I just mean, can you be open to the possibility that there are other ways? And the word wrong, Catherine in her TED Talk takes us back to the fact of how we learn about being wrong and that in school, when you get your first paper back where your spelling test, you miss two, you're wrong. Right. Two or, were wrong. You know, she she in the TED Talk has this thing where the paper where there's three wrong and at the bottom it says, see me. Did yeah. you ever get a paper like that? Yeah. See me. You don't want to be the dumb kid. You feel so uncomfortable. You're so nervous that you have to see somebody that it starts to build up this resolve in you that you're never going to be wrong. Mm -hmm. And so number three, I talked about politics, religion, education. We are unwilling to be wrong. And that can help us maybe in a debate, but we also have to have that room to see that it's not always – because sometimes people start to take their opinions – and call them facts like – and I'm sorry if there's anyone listening who disagrees with this, but you know, climate issues are an issue. Mm-hmm. Like we're having some climate problems. Right. We are uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, an inconvenient truth. What am I looking for? We are having um, – Global warming. Global warming. Thank you. I just couldn't come up with it. That's a real thing. And there are people who so don't want that to be true. Mm-hmm. That they start saying, no, this is wrong, or they – and I don't know how much how much research we need to say this is a real thing. And so what we start to do is start to rip down the researchers right. because we're unwilling to sh- make that shift. Right. And I'm saying we. I, I, I think the majority of the country is now understanding that humans play a role. Like, Well, that's, the, that's what the naysayers would – 
originally they're like, oh, it's not getting warmer. And now I think it's obviously everybody thinks it's getting warmer. But then they shifted their argument from, oh, it is getting warmer, but it has nothing to do with what humans are doing, how they behave. And one thing that I asked Ted if he's, or Ted, I just called you Ted. You can call me Ted. Okay. Ted, my husband, I was wrong. See, sweetie, I admit I'm wrong. Nice job, Your name is not Ted. No. I saw this video um, on Facebook, and I think it's what we should end with. Okay. Um, It's the Julia Roberts nature thing. Okay. Is it on her page? Uh, Just Google Julia Roberts nature video. Okay. It is a two-minute, maybe one-and-a-half-minute video about nature and about how it's been here billions of years, and it can exist without us, and how we think we are so vitally important to this earth. Right. And the truth is, if humans weren't here... This earth would be thriving. Do you want to listen to it now or do you want to listen to um, it again? What do you think? How long is it? Two minutes? One minute and 59 okay, seconds. Okay, one minute. So, or close. So Todd's going to play this. I think, is it okay to play this? Oh, yeah. You always ask me if it's okay to well, play. Well, I just don't know what the laws are. I'm always don't trying to... Don't worry about it. Laws, schmaws. What's this? Okay, here we go. Some call me nature. Others call me Mother Nature. I've been here for over four and a half billion years. 22,500 times longer than you. I don't really need people, but people need me. Yes, your future depends on me. When I thrive, you thrive. When I falter, you falter. Or worse. But I've been here for eons. I have fed species greater than you, and I have starved species greater than you. My oceans. My soil. My flowing streams, my forests, they all can take you or leave you. How you choose to live each day, whether you regard or disregard me, doesn't really matter to me. One way or the other, your actions will determine your fate, not mine. I am nature. I will go on. I am prepared to evolve. Are you? That's um, pretty awesome. And I had the luxury of watching it. I Uh mean, they have all these wonderful nature video Mm -hmm. clips. But it reminds me of something Wayne Dyer said a long time ago. Nature always bats last. Always. And that's all this is saying is, you know, we we can, uh, you know, just beat Mother Nature up to a pulp, but... We're, the, we're killing ourselves. Well, and she's going she's gonna to end up she's thriving one way or another. Right. And we're damaging her mm-hmm. where that means we will be harmed, but she will figure out a way to live. Right. And the best example is when you're looking at concrete and someone's laid down all this concrete and the, or they put all this mulch or all this plastic and out comes a weed. Life wants to live... And it will figure out a way. And that means that we must evolve to keep growing. Mm. We must evolve. Life figures out new ways. And if we keep using old patterns of thought, 
and we're unwilling to be wrong. Right. Then, and that's what this woman, this TED Talk woman, when she talks about you know being a wrongologist, her whole message is, I err, therefore I am. I err, so I learn. I, be, I am wrong, so I can evolve. We can't be right all the time. And, you know, the way that we've set up the world about if you make a mistake at work, you're in trouble or you can get fired. If you make a mistake at school, you're therefore dumb. If you make a mistake at home, then no one's going to love you anymore. If you make a mistake with, you know, with anyone, they won't forgive you or in the media. The media beats people up. If we live that way, then people will not be able to express their humanity. Right. We can't. We do make mistakes. I'm wrong a lot. And one of the things that I love to say in a very self-aware place, especially to my husband, is, you know what? I think I'm wrong about that. Mm -hmm. And why? Because it's a huge relief. Right. Because I don't have to pretend I'm right. Or to my kids. You know what? I was wrong about that. Yeah. Or what I say a lot to them is, you know what? You're right. And then it's gone. Dissipates. Yeah. And we've all admitted to where we are, and I've gotten better, and they've gotten better. So, sweetie, you want to know what Jim Morrison says? What this is? Uh, I I can't find the actual part of the song, but there's one of my favorite door songs called "When the Music's Over." Yeah, pretty uplifting, right? Uh, he always tended to write about really happy things. This is like the third course. What have they done to the earth? What have they done to our fair sister? Ravaged and plundered, and ripped her and bit her, stuck her with knives in the side of the dawn, and tied her with fences and dragged her down. Oh, Jim! I know, I love Jim. I know Jim was seeing things. He was, but he was right. What have they done to the earth? What have we done? And that was in 1972 or whatever. Yeah. What, what would what would he say now? I know. My goodness. And you know, here's the thing: is a lot of people hear these kind of things and they say, "Well, what do I do? The problem's bigger than me. Just you. Mm -hmm. Just do you." Think globally, act locally. That's right. Just do you do. There are sometimes there's still things I'm uncomfortable with, like throwing certain things away, or I'm like, is this recycling really being divided? And I still struggle with certain things. Mm -hmm. But there are choices I make every day simultaneously or paradoxically or what you know how we were saying sometimes we don't make good choices there's also great choices that we make i love bringing bags into the grocery store oh, you yeah. think it's a small thing i freaking love it i love making that choice i love you know when we walk instead of drive i love um you know the grocery bags is i think we've talked about this but um that's like it's it's not only good for the earth but it's the biggest no-brainer of all time because no you can put like five times the amount of weight totally. into one of those things. You have less bags. It's just silly. I know. And I think – I know California. Like I don't think you can get the, uh, the old-school grocery bags anymore. I think you have to law. go paper. Yeah. And I think they're doing that here in Illinois. Yeah, I think I saw that too. Anyways. But it, those kind of things, like those shifts where people are like, well, it's easier to carry plastic or whatever. I get that. But also, let's look at the bigger picture. It's easier for you in the moment. Mm -hmm. But what are you doing? Yeah. What is the impact of that? And honestly, you guys talk about being wrong. There are times that I take the wrong car yeah. to the grocery store, and, and there's no bags. There you go. And I do use the other one. So yeah. it, it, we're never all perfect. But my intention is to use bags. And I try really, you know, try. Sweetie, when you use the, the good, environmentally safe grocery bags, you're in flick. No. On you're, fleek. You're on fleek. Okay, don't. You're not in flick. You're in flick, sweetie. Sweetie, you're I'm on I'm changing fleek. it to in flick. It's on fleek. That's don't what, mess up our, our listeners because they're going to use it with their kids. That's on fleek, sweetie. That's so when, on fleek. That's so on fleek. Um, we can't talk about upspeak. Okay. 
We'll talk about it next week. I wanted to um, give these iTunes reviews. Okay. You all right with that? Uh, totally. Um, young mom feeling inspired. She's from Canada. Isn't that nice? She's only listened to three episodes so far, <gasps> sweetie. I wonder which three she's listened to. But I'm instantly hooked. The intelligent and stimulating conversation is very inspirational, not just for the parents out there, but for anyone looking to acquire wisdom and tap into self-awareness. Can't wait to listen to the older episodes. Maybe with a notepad for those great takeaway ideas. Thank you, Kathy and Todd. You just sound like you had a southern accent. Thank you, um, young mom feeling expi- inspired. Thank you for listening, young mom. That's right. We appreciate you. And then the other one is, I don't know if I should say her name, but it's titled Very Real, Very Soothing, and Enlightening, sweetie. Hmm. She's been listening to ZPR for over a year, and it's changed her perspective in the best way. Kathy and Todd discuss real, everyday applications for more peaceful, fun, and wonderful existence with your spouse, your kids, and yourself. Thank you for reminding a previously bitter, jaded, hurt person that life isn't always hard. Ooh, I like that. Even the hard parts can be fulfilling, rewarding, and fun. The parenting-related stuff and everything else, too. Go White Sox and Blackhawks. Yay. There we go. There we go. Now we're in business. That's, that's lovely. Thank you so much. Um, so what else do we know? Tournament of Bad. Um, sweetie, you have two books. We have the conference with people we love. If you want to register for it, there is a link on our show notes. Well, it's on our website. You don't have to go to the show notes. ZenParentingRadio.com. Oh. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Go to ZenParentingRadio.com. It's, it's under events. It's on the side column. Thank our you. website is being worked on. My website's new, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's not fully new. But I have a new picture and it's that kind of thing. It's semi new, sweetie. It's semi new. KeviKasaniAdams.com. So you can get the books there. Yep. Um, you can also. Um, what books? Uh, both Self Aware Parents. I've got two of them Self Aware Parent and Self Aware Parent 2. And then um, my book that won two awards this year. So it's kind of my bigger one. It's the one that, I mean, buy whatever you want, but I tend to sell this one. Well, I want to say thank you to our listeners for um, just sharing our message with their friends and continue to do that. Yes. Say, hey, you got to check out this podcast and yes. send it to them. You can even do it on your phone. If you listen on your phone, either in Stitcher or iTunes, uh, it gives you the ability to, if there's a certain episode you like, you can click on one of the buttons and it says share and you can just uh-huh. send it. You can text it directly to your friend. You know what Todd wants to have at the conference? Um, he wants to have like a station, like a vendor station where you can just walk up and we can put Zen Parenting on your phone. Yeah. Like download the podcast app, put Zen Parenting on there and you're subscribed. It'll be an iTunes mechanic. Yeah. We yeah. need someone to do that because we, just our friend, you know, just recently, the yoga studio, she's like, I don't know how to do it. Yeah. And I so don't get it. He well, because get... most people don't listen to podcasts. Right. Anybody who listens to podcasts, this they can simple. figure it out. Right. But many people are like, what? what's, what's a, a podcast? podcast? Right. How's your internet doing? That's what my... People who know I do this podcast, they don't know. Or no, he said, how's that email? How's, how's that website? How's that email working out? I said, oh, it's going great. Like he's got no clue. How's the internets? Um, so thank you for sharing. Thank you for giving us an iTunes review. Thank you for submitting questions. Thank you for supporting our partners. Just it's all about gratitude, sweetie. Be cool. Um, and we're going to come back at you next week. I'm going to uh, – oh, I have I do have words of wisdom. And I'm going to play um, a clip of this song for when the music's over. <laughs> I hope he doesn't swear. But here is the um, here's the quote that my friend Mike sent to me. If you can sit quietly after difficult news, if in financial downturns you remain perfectly calm, if you can see your neighbors travel to fantastic places without a twinge of jealousy, if you can happily eat whatever is put on in front of your plate and fall asleep after a day of running around without a drink or a pill. 
If you can always find commitment just where you are, you're probably a dog. <laughs> That's from Jack Cornfield. That's great. Well, I was, when I thought that was a person, I was going to say, if you can do those things, have the real feelings about it, but progress anyway. Yeah. Like if you can see all the pictures of your friends somewhere and have that feeling of envy, but then move forward and send them love then that's a human thing. But you're right. Those are dog things. Yes. So that's it. Let's listen listen to Jim. Should we? We'll see you guys next week. It's very uplifting. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I do appreciate Jim though. Me too. He was a poet. He was an American poet. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Adios. When the music's over